Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach Bye. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach Bye. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach Bai. And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. If you are watching on YouTube right now, you see that I am in a makeshift setup because our studio, which is fantastic, it is actually being uh, redone and made bigger and better. And it's going to be so crazy. And it's uh, quite an investment from uh, our company into the uh, digital space. So for the uh, time being, it's going to be kind of makeshift and that may, it may be this way for, I don't know, a month, maybe two months, but ultimately it's going to look glorious. So hang tight. And if you're listening and not watching, what's up? Uh, Nothing's different. Uh, Reacting to a Denver Nuggets win over the Clippers. I'm going to be uh, incredibly uh, honest here. This is probably going to be a 15-minute podcast. It's not going to be long. Uh, I don't have a lot of time. I go live for my four-hour radio show in exactly 19 minutes from now. I just had a meeting um, uh, that's got nothing to do with nothing that just went a little bit long. So um, with that said, some of my thoughts aren't going to be as expansive um, as they normally are. Um, And I know some are, some aren't, but uh, they're going to be maybe like micro uh, thoughts so I can try to get through everything that I have in my notes. Following the 111-108 W on national TV, NBA in-season tournament, which I'm not one of these guys who like hates on the in-season tournament. I like it. The court is growing on me. I like the concept within the season. Um, I saw my buddy uh, Matt Moore from the Action Network uh, put out that the margins of victory on tournament nights against non-tournament nights, it's like uh, goes from non-tournament nights, like 11 point margin of victory. That gets cut in like half on tournament nights. I I think the guys are just playing harder. Um, Does that stay the same when teams know that they're out of it. I don't know. We've never done this before, but I'm just mentioning it because I'm enjoying it. I'm approaching it with an open mind. I've told you guys, these things are huge overseas, these mid-season tournaments. Um, and I just, you know, they know basketball around the world too. You know, this is a global game. And if they love it around the world, uh, I think we should be open-minded and receptive to it uh, here in the United States of America. Um, Let's get to some of these thoughts. Uh, The Denver Nuggets have ownership over the Los Angeles Clippers. Like they should go to the courthouse, do the the paperwork, and adopt their ass because they are the Clippers' daddy. They have owned this uh, basketball team since the bubble, since they came back from down uh, 3-1. Since then, it just flipped. It, it just flipped, and uh, it reminds me of growing up playing my brother in basketball, and he would beat me and beat me for years, and then I eventually turned this corner and beat him, and it was like, I don't think I ever lost to him again, and it's just one of these things where, you know, I, I reference it like dad strength, that like, okay, going to stop playing with our food now, like it's time for us to take over, boy, and um, that's what we saw uh, against the Clippers yet again. And this is this is this is a matchup that I mean, just just think about the dynamics here. There's history. There's a bit of a rivalry. Okay, so it's coming with its own stuff. They hadn't won a game with James Harden, literally over. So the sense of desperation is very high. Um, they're being criticized nationally. Um, Jamal Murray's not playing. Like they know that, right? So what an opportunity. Um, on national television to come in and try to exercise the demon that 
is the Denver Nuggets, and they couldn't do it. And uh, and, and there were stretches during the game where I thought the Clippers were going to get over this uh, uh, you know little hump here in the regular season, um, and they couldn't. And on, on a night where you know Jokic's numbers were really good, um, if you're just looking at the box score, if you watch the game, you know. Um, you know, he didn't shoot the basketball well, made up a lot of ground on the free throw line, eight for 23 from the floor. But the final box score says 32 points, 16 rebounds and nine assists. This is one of these things why I say that you can't compare Jokic to other NBA players. You can only compare Jokic to himself. When you are the best, you should not be compared to anyone else around the league. So by the raw numbers, he played great. By Jokic's own standard, I thought it was like a B B game. Um, and that's how great he is. And we're going to keep, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, reiterating that. Um, a couple notes here. Um, I thought defensively, again, this team shows you that they can play buckle down, lockdown defense when it matters most. In the clutch, when the game is within five points and it's five minutes or less, Denver is one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NBA. I think it's too early to start looking at numbers because we're only 11 games into the season. Um, so I don't want to get carried away saying they're the definitive number one clutch defense, but I think that they, they are. that's what they are right now. So w- w- I'll just mention it. Hopefully that holds up, but we saw this to be true last year where the overall defensive numbers didn't say the Nuggets were a great team, but the crunch time defense did. My eyes said it did. And once again, uh, when it mattered the most, they buckled down defensively. Give Aaron Gordon uh, his flowers. I thought he was incredibly uh, uh, good defensively, locking down a Kawhi Leonard, who for me is still the Clippers' best player. Um, but you wouldn't know it uh, by the other night because I thought uh, Aaron Gordon did such a good job. Uh, I want to give Reggie Jackson uh, a ton of credit here right out of the gate. This guy is impressing the hell out of me, all right? And I'm, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I saw this coming. I remember the day I was on the air when um, uh, uh, Reggie was uh, acquired uh, down the stretch of uh, last season, and it was like, okay, Zach, like, what do you think of the Reggie Jackson thing? And I didn't want to dump on it and be negative, but I remember how I felt in that moment being like, I'm not a Reggie Jackson guy, but you're seeing the culture and style of play swallow Reggie up and we're getting a different re- a version of Reggie Jackson. And you give him a ton of credit. This is a guy who's been in the NBA forever. Um, and some of these guys can say, no, this is what I do. I'm an NBA player. I'm kind of, I'm not changing in year, you know, 12 or whatever it is for Reggie. Um, but you give him credit for being um, pliable and being the best version of his nugget self here in Denver. And I thought he was fantastic. 18 points uh, against the Clippers on 7 of 11 shooting. Um, you know, had four assists uh, uh, to, to, to the two turnovers. Um, I just, uh, just across the board, not just uh, earlier in the week against Los Angeles, but across the board, I think Reggie Jackson has been such a pleasant surprise um, here in Denver. Um, uh, oh, you know, it, it was one of these nights, where, and I say this, you know, from time to time, like I'm in, I'm a basketball fan more than anything else. So when I see a guy playing great freaking basketball, um, 
you just appreciate it. And that's what we saw from Paul George the other night, who was fantastic. 35 points on 50% shooting, made four threes, perfect from the line, grabbed seven rebounds, had three assists, three steals. I thought he was fantastic. And in particular, um, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope took the brunt end of that. I mean, Paul George was just just putting it on his head. Um and uh, Paul George is bigger than KCP, and he's a freaking tough shot maker. So it's just one of those nights where you just tip your cap, you know, tip your cap uh, to, to, to Paul George. Um, and obviously down the stretch of the game, um, well, he had that shot that got wedged into the uh, between the uh, glass and the backboard, which was just one of the weirder things because you, you, you can't even try to do that. Like if you tried to do that again and I gave you 50 tries, like he might not be able to do it not one time. So with the game on the line for that to happen, it was just weird. But also speaking of the game being on the line and things getting weird, I feel like we just did this with uh, Golden State Warriors uh, last week. Jokic really sloppy with the basketball, with the game hanging in the balance. It's weird. I'm not used to seeing it. Uh, you know, he, he, he tried to whip that cross-court pass that uh, last week that um, Steph Curry uh, intercepted. And then he tries to get the ball to, I think it was KCP there. And, uh, you know, Paul George steals it. Next thing you know, he's making a bucket. It's just like, wait, what? How, how is the greatest basketball decision maker I've ever seen um, putting his team in such a compromising position? Just, I'm, I'm not used to seeing it. Um, it didn't cost... Denver against Golden State doesn't cost Denver against uh, the Clippers, but it is weird, and I think we should uh, keep our eye on it. Um, what else here? Uh, oh, uh, we saw Jalen Pickett for the first time, who it was kind of tale of two stints. First stint, I was like, this guy is freaking playing really great. I'm a big fan of his. Told the story and called him as a draft, called him, uh, uh, called my shot as him as a draft pick to the Denver Nuggets. He played his college in my hometown in upstate New York at Siena College before transferring uh, to Penn State. Um, so I've been following this kid's career forever. So I was super excited. He was the first uh, sub off the bench, which was like, whoa, what's happening? Um, but uh, he played well, man. He played well in that first stint. Uh, but the first stint was uh, with Jokic. Go figure, right? Second stint, uh, not as good. Turned the ball over, traveled. But this is how it's going to go. He's a young basketball player. Um, he's played a lot of basketball, played a lot of college basketball. But it's there's going to be a big-time curve here in the NBA. So, um, But uh, but I, I, in general, as a, as a general takeaway, I liked what I saw from Jalen Pickett. And I want to see more, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, Michael Porter Jr., uh, last note before we move on to some other stuff. Um, you're seeing him just freaking not be a confident player right now, all right? Um, uh, 10 points on four of 11 shooting, just two of eight from three. This was on the heels of just three of 10 uh, at Houston on Sunday. That was on the heels of three, three of eight from three uh, against Golden State, two of six against New Orleans. So it's been a couple of weeks now since we've seen Michael Porter Jr. shoot it uh, well. He's doing other stuff. That's what makes him... St- playable, um, defending, rebounding, um, a block and a shot here or there, stealing, having a steal here or there. But the hallmark of his game and why he gets $30 million a year to play this sport is because he shoots the piss out of the basketball, and he's got to get back to that. He's got to get back to being a shot maker, and he's missing shots that he's not even taking. He's missing shots he's not taking. 
And that should sound like an oxymoron because it is. But when you watch the game, he is passing down good looks from three that he traditionally is freaking out of his hand quicker than a hiccup. But you're seeing him turn some of these shots down. That just shows me a guy who's not very confident. Um, so... Uh, let's just keep our eye on it. It's a long season. This is going to happen. Um, I'm sure he'll turn around and make five or six threes here uh, in one of these upcoming games. But when I'm seeing a guy turn down good looks, that is missing shots that you're not taking, uh, which is unacceptable. He's got to let that thing fly. All right, a um, couple other stuff before we uh, move on. Um, Bones Highland did not receive a ring. Uh, he played more than half the games with Denver. It is customary in the NBA for a guy like that when he comes back to Denver to get a championship ring. The team has clearly decided he's not going to get one. I think reasonable minds can disagree on this. Um, here's where I stand on it. Um, when you make a choice that you don't want to be here, when you make a choice to leave your teammates in the middle of a game and literally go home like a little baby, uh, when you make a choice to hop on social media after the trade and you're and you're from the Clippers private jet saying this is how they treat you when they love you, dude, they treated you how they loved you when they freaking drafted you out of VCU, all right? And you were playing 18 minutes a night for the number one team in the NBA and it wasn't good enough for you because you thought you were, what, better than Jamal Murray? Like who you know went on to raise his point per game level, the largest from regular season to the postseason in NBA history, and 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 you think that you're better than this situation, and now you go to Clipper to the Clippers, and you, he didn't even play, he didn't even check in the game the other night. The grass isn't always greener, and if you you kind of forced your way out of here, then then no, you don't get a ring. Sorry, pal, that's not how life works. That's not how life works. So that's where I stand on it. If you think he should have got a ring, that's fine. It's your opinion. I have my opinion. Um, Jamal Murray uh, going through warm-ups, getting a full workout. Um, looks like he's going about 80%, something like that. Um, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. So we're just going to continue to watch that. But I, I did like uh, seeing that here uh, this past week um, before the uh, before that game against the Clippers, uh, him getting a on-court workout in, in front of people. Because sometimes if he doesn't feel comfortable, he'll, he'll do it in the practice gym. Um, so I do like to see that. Okay, um, next game on the docket is on uh, the 17th, and it is currently the 16th. That means the Nuggets play on Friday evening in New Orleans. Um I would be lying if I tell you I had a, a, a fantastic vibe uh, going on the road into into New Orleans on a Friday. Um, they uh, played New Orleans a couple weeks ago. I was at that game. Um, that's when Jokic passed uh, LeBron and, and Jason Kidd, I believe, on the triple doubles list for fourth all time. Um, New Orleans can be a tricky team. And now you're going to their barn um followed by a game in Cleveland uh, on Sunday. So obviously you'd like to come home with both of those wins. Um, I would probably take a one and one right now, considering uh, it's such a fast start for Denver, winning nine of their first uh, 11 games. Uh, and then recently here without Jamal Murray. All right, uh, we're going to put a bow on it here, guys. Uh, thank you for being here for uh, a, a bit of a condensed version of the Mile High Hoops podcast. Uh, looking forward to uh, the game on Friday evening and then turning around an earlier game in Cleveland. And then it's um, a few more on the road. Like, this is a longer road trip. It's in Detroit, at Orlando, at Houston. So um, uh, here we go. Pack your bags. Uh, life on the road uh, begins right now. 
and whatever happens on Friday and then Sunday and then Monday against Detroit, we'll be back here on Tuesday talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast.